0: Hi there, welcome to season three of the Stockholmer podcast. I'm Maddie Savage, introducing you to the people making a difference in the Swedish capital and beyond.
1: I know that I'm a role model. I come from a tough neighbourhood. There's never been a black Muslim girl that's made it. This far?
0: That's Sherehan Hersey, Cherie to her friends and fans, one of Sweden's biggest emerging R&B artists. She's also flying the flag for feminism, sisterhood and looking after your mental health. And she checked in with the Stockholmer right after her first European tour. The Stockholmer. We're recording this in a super cool office in the pretty posh Vazastan area of Stockholm. And that's because this is where Cherie's PR agency is based. They do PR for a bunch of different brands. So we're surrounded by fur coats, bomber jackets, and people are just starting to have uh, their lunch breaks in the very cool uh, Scandinavian minimalistic kitchen. Uh, but I want to start by saying we didn't fix this chat formally uh, through your PR. It was because you messaged me back on Twitter. So thank you for that and welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. A lot of our Swedish-speaking listeners will already know your story, Uh, but for those who don't, let's just go back a little bit in time. You spent most of your life growing up in Finland until you were 10, and then you moved to Rinkaby in the Stockholm suburbs. So when did music come into your life? Music's
1: been a part of my life forever, basically ever since I could talk. My dad gave me CDs when we were living in a small village in Finland where you really couldn't get a hold of R&B music like that. And he used to teach me about Bob Marley and everything, even Bollywood music, Somali music, Nigerian music, Swedish music, Finnish music. And all these parts of me and my cultures has helped me to be more open about uh, what I listen to. And that's made me even better as a musician. You know, I started taking it seriously like three years ago. Um, when I met Leslie Tay and Amir Badr, and they're the executive producers of my album. Um,
0: and how did you meet those guys? Uh,
1: Leslie is from Malmö, which is a city down south in Sweden. But I had known them like just around because Stockholm is a small city and he was here all the time. We always talked about going to the studio and making music and stuff like that. But it never really happened until 2014. The timing was perfect because I had grown as a person and I know what I wanted to talk about, and I had like been through stuff, and that made the music I make today as special as it is, you know? So it kind of worked out for the better. better.
0: You were also facing some resistance from home. I read that your dad wanted you to become a doctor and your teachers wanted you to study English. Yeah,
1: um, I I had a thing for school and learning and I know my dad really liked that part about me because I always used to read books and stuff. But he's also the one that taught me everything I know. So, I mean, as much as he wanted me to become something else, I think he appreciated that part of me as well.
0: Let's talk about your music then. I'm still learning Swedish, so I'm not getting everything uh, that you're wanting to put across in the music, but there's a lot about love, also a lot about dealing with dark times, and a lot about sisterhood, what it's like to be a girl growing up in the suburbs.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, you know, like for me growing up in Finland, uh, my parents were one of the first African families that came to Finland, so... They're from Somalia, right? Yeah, we're from Somalia, and uh, the thing about that is when you're living in a country when there's not that many people, that look like you kind of feel lonely and then there's racism and stuff like that so me moving to Bee and finding my friends the girls that i call my sisters today that really you know helped me to become the woman i am today to become as strong and as independent that i am today because i found uh, security in the sisterhood and that's why most of my songs are about you know friendship and loyalty and so that's why it's so important for me to you know highlight those times in my music mm-hmm. One of your biggest hits, Aldrig
0: Again, Never Again, uh, recorded with the UK grime artist Stormzy. We're going to talk about him uh, later, but I just want to read, listen to some of your lyrics from that track. This is my rough translation, (laughs) so I don't want to be your girlfriend. You say you're going to change, but I don't think so at all. Being alone, I'm the strongest. Never again, never again. I'm sure there's a a lot of girls that can relate to some of those lyrics. Um, It sounds like you're really passionate about being empowered and not having to be with a guy to be happy. Do you identify yourself as a feminist?
1: Definitely. But, like, growing up, we never knew what feminism was because no one ever... We, we never talked about it. But I we lived in a place where you had to be strong as a woman or else, you know, you'd pretty much be depressed because we... we I come from a tough neighbourhood so you know in my music I try to talk about um, being empowered as a woman and as much as I sing it to everyone else it's, it's like medicine for me to, to you know write these words and send it out to the universe.
0: You talked about Rinkby, um, where you're from, you described it as a tough neighbourhood and people listening internationally may have heard of it, it's grabbed a lot of global attention in 2017, there have been some troubles, what's your interpretation of that? it
1: was exaggerated for a lot of years but during these past like three four years it's been getting worse and like i would a couple of years ago i would never feel afraid walking around in my in my own neighborhood but now you know everything you have like young kids killing each other over nothing and the crime rates are going up and i have to be honest about it for for us to you know fix these um these problems there's been generations of parents that's been coming from war torn countries that haven't really dealt with trauma and that goes on to the kids and now it's like a generation of new people that just they don't they don't, they haven't seen the struggle and they're immigrants that really can't get a good job or um you know it's kind of harder for them so now everything's more tough so Do you think think
0: unemployment is is the big issue then?
1: Definitely, because you have a lot of um, young boys that they don't really have anything to do except for stand on the street. And um, the job allowances are not as they used to be before. So when you're at school, like a 15-year-old, and you see the 18-year-olds making money on the streets, like... In a week, what your mom makes in a month.
0: You mean illegally, through mm-hmm. like drugs or stolen goods? Exactly.
1: That makes them be like, you know what, I'm not going to be here at school with teachers that don't care, with resources that aren't really there. I'm going to stand in the street and make that money as well.
0: When we hear about problems in the suburbs, a lot of times people talk about the need for role models to give people hope. Do you feel like one? Do you, do you hope to be that person that people look up to or, or does that feel kind of weird for you?
1: No, I definitely do feel like one just because of the fact that, you know, Somalis are one of the biggest minorities in Sweden and um, I know there's never been a black Muslim girl from Ringkabee that's made it this far. But what made it more relatable for, you know, Swedish natives and stuff is that I I talk in a... or I, I write in a language of feelings. I don't talk about... Crime rates and stuff I talk about how A mother must feel When A young boy dies And you know That's giving me a place Where I'm in the middle Of you know Getting everyone to hear What I want to talk about I'm representing Rinkeby And I'm reaching out To the whole of Sweden And I feel like Th- that representation is very needed because there's a big gap between, you know, these different worlds in this small country because all they see is like newspapers with statistics and whatnot. So I'm just trying to give a more relatable perspective, a more emotional perspective, because I think that's a way for me to, um, everyone have emotions, everyone has feelings, that's universal language.
0: Let's talk a bit about some of your musical collaborations and how quickly they've they've come along. Um, so one track that was quite big a couple of years ago, Herme Bay," if I said that right, yeah, by yeah. Michelle Dida. and you were alongside some big global names on that track, Zara Larsson, Sena Bosse, and then just a year later... It's you doing the vocals, the main vocals, alongside a massive guest, Stormzy. Now, uh, not all of our listeners will know him, but he is, he is a huge, huge grime artist in the UK. Um, some of his tracks, Big For Your Boots, uh, Shut Up, 54 million streams on Spotify. And you got him onto your track, the one we talked about earlier, algic again. Uh, how exactly did that happen?
1: I met him uh, when he first came to Sweden for his first show through my management. And we were at a dinner with like his team and my team were all talking and you know it was just something about the vibe because obviously he's an independent artist I'm an independent artist like I've never been signed I don't have distribution I don't have anything and we kind of connected on a deeper level because we were talking about you know being humble and being genuine in your music and not like following whatever everyone else wants you to follow but like really trusting your guts and hearts so that same night when we went to the studio and he was listening to some tracks and he heard Aldrian and he was like oh my god this is amazing
0: even though he didn't speak any Swedish or had you told him already what it was about
1: no he he really got the vibe he was like I could tell you're pleading for something in the chorus part you know when I sing like I don't want to feel like this who wants to feel like this and he was like I can really tell you're pleading for something like it's so amazing and I was like oh my god, I can't believe this, and then I sent him the song Because he just wanted He wanted to listen to it Basically And then for like Seven months He was putting up Snapchats When he's in the car Listening to it And and then I just got the guts To ask him Yo do you want to Do a verse on it And he was like Definitely And I was like Okay oh my god That's amazing That was 2016 The,
0: the, the track was played a lot here in Sweden even in the UK as well and now you've been on tour with him around different parts of Europe Copenhagen Oslo Mm -hmm. and here in Stockholm
1: yeah that was that was even crazier because we had done the song, and that was big enough for me. And imagine like, for him having like a huge album out right now, doing big numbers in the charts and whatnot. And in the midst of everything, one day he just texted me, and he was like, yo, Sherry, I'm going on a European tour with Lethal Bizzle, and I would love for you to come if you want to. It's okay if you can't. I was like, "Are you crazy?" I called my manager, and my manager was like, "I'm about to cry." I was like, "Me too." I think I will cherish that like for the rest of my life, definitely.
0: What have you learned from being around those those big names, Stormzy and Lethal B, and and being in that environment on tour with them?
1: You know, I've been around a lot of like big artists, and these past couple of years from America, from England, and it, and it's that thing like it doesn't matter how rich you get or how famous you get. You still can get depressed and, you know, have anxiety attacks and not be, you know, content with what's happening in your life. I feel like it's very important to be healthy, like, with your energy and, you know, you have to have that genuine purpose, you know? And I feel like not a lot of them do. Like, when you meet them in real life, not a lot of artists have that. And that's why... Why, why me and Stormzy stuck? So, because he is genuine with with whatever he's doing, and he is, you know, using his voice to do something better not just for his family but for his area in England and even like a black male artist in England I know that I'm a role model I know that there's young girls all over Sweden and all over Scandinavia that's gonna grow up on my music it's gonna imprint their lives cause music does that to you the music you grow up to kinda makes you the person you are and I wanna be one of those people that did something good for someone else's mental health or you know their purposes and goals and inspiration and whatnot.
0: We talked a bit about how tough the music industry is. A lot of artists have their couple of years in the spotlight and then people move on. Do you have a backup plan?
1: No, I don't think I need it. Obviously, I'm, when I get rich, I'm going to invest in a couple of things so I can stay secure. But I'm pretty sure about what I do is going to live for a long time like that's one of the reasons why i love r&b music because it's timeless you know you you'll find r&b in rock music soul music pop music hip-hop like all those genres and what i try to do is just make timeless music that really comes from the heart so as long as i have that and that comes from a genuine place i think i'll be okay
0: You've been listening to The Stock Homer, an independent production by Maddie Savage. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to subscribe on your podcast app if you haven't done so already. We've got plenty more really interesting interviewees from a whole range of backgrounds coming up later this season. Support for this episode comes from the travel app Live, thanks to Benoit Daria for production assistance, Diego Planis-Rego for digital marketing, Simeon Ghost for permission to use their music, and Richard Stevens for designing our logo. Thanks again for joining us.